we started, we're in, a, we're in a sermon series. We started this series last week. The series is titled Made for More. And this series is designed to, to help us understand that no matter where we are at on the spiritual spectrum, right? We talked about this last week. No matter where we are at, because we're all somewhere, we were all made for more than what we are currently doing. All of us, even me, all of us are made for more. We, we, our, our, our walk with Jesus should never plateau. It should never cap out. There's always something more we can do for the kingdom of God. And if we are open to that and, and we are expecting God to move in our lives and we're following him and we're looking for him as to where he's at, we will find out that there is always something more that he wants us to join him in. This is all about the kingdom of God. And, and last week we, we talked about joining God in his story of reconciling a broken humanity back to himself. In essence, this is the life of a Christian. We join God in his story of reconciliation, in his story of redemption. The, the first thing that we do when we come to Jesus is, is we're so thankful that we found a savior. We found somebody that was bigger than ourselves that helped us out in life, right, that we needed. But then we find out, oh, wait a minute, you mean God wants me to work with him? And that's what he does. He calls us into to be a part of his story. He, he's always inviting us to be a part of his story of redemption, his story of reconciliation, his story of restoring mankind back to its creator. All of us play a role in this. But how many of us, how many of us have so much going on in our, in our heads in our lives, that we can't hear his voice. We've got work that's going on. We're, we, we're, we're parenting. We're, we're working. We're schooling. We're, we're, we're fooling around. We're, we're just busy, busy people. We've got so much going on that, that we can't hear the voice of God. And the thing is, we don't even know we can't hear it because we can't hear it. Or, or, a little deeper, how many of us are making excuses as to why we cannot join God? I can't, God, I can't, you, God, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm so busy at work. I've, I've got this stuff going on at home. I, I don't want to help that person find you. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the power that comes from saying yes with God. When God calls us to do something and we say yes, there is power in that. And we're going to look at that today. So the Bible is full of all kinds of stories and all kinds of people who said yes to God. Abraham and Noah and Moses and all the Old Testament prophets. And there's even a guy named Jonah who said no to God, but eventually God said, you don't, you don't really get a choice in this. Even Moses had a back and forth. I don't want to do this, God. God said, you don't, we're going to do this. These, all of these people said yes to God. The 12 disciples said yes to God. Mary and Joseph said yes to God. Look at the, the power of their yes that came from these stories. And today we're going to look at a person who said yes to God 
They said yes to Jesus, actually, when it may not have been the most popular move to make at the time. So we're going to look at a story in the book of Acts, chapter 9. We're going to read the whole story. I'm going to go kind of fast because it's, it's, it's a bit of verses here. But we're going to read this story. Some of you might know this story. Some of you don't. So it's titled Saul's Conversion. So here it goes. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Oh, interesting. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. That's, that's the church. They called followers of Jesus the way. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas, when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I have heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly something like scales fell off from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. Interesting story. So this guy, Saul, he was a pretty bad dude. Uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Like, like he had it out. For those who put their faith in Jesus. And, and I was thinking about this. So, so Luke, the, the disciple Luke, wrote the book of Acts. He was a doctor and a historian. And, and he wrote all of this stuff. So how does Luke know that this was what Saul was doing? Uttering the, under his breath. He just constantly wanted to kill all of these people who put their faith in Jesus. Well, he probably sat down and interviewed Saul. Now, this is where I was at at that time. 
See, Saul was a Pharisee. For those of you that, that don't know, he was a Pharisee. He was a Jewish religious leader. He was a devout man of God, zealous for the things of God. And he's on this mission to go get all the Christians in Damascus, in Syria. It's about 135, 150 miles away. And he wanted to bring them all back in chains so he could torture, torment, persecute them. This is how much he hates Christianity. He believes it's a cult. He did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And he's doing this in the name of God. But on his way there, he has this powerful encounter with Jesus. Little does Saul know that he is about to play one of the biggest roles in joining God in his story for restoring mankind to himself, reconciling mankind to their creator. I would almost venture to say next to Jesus, Saul, because Saul had a big role to play. You know, and you might be thinking, well, what, do you, what does he mean by suffering for my namesake? Well, you know what? When you're called to play a pretty big role for Jesus, it, it comes with a cost. When we're called to do things for Jesus, there's usually a price. And it might hurt, and it might sting, and it might not be very fun, but it is so rewarding in the end. It is so rewarding to know that you are doing something with God, that God asked you to do something with him. And then also, like, why did he have to make him blind? Why, couldn't, why wasn't the voice enough? Why? I mean, it was a pretty powerful encounter. Why did, he, why did Jesus have to go and make him blind? I mean, well, there's some theories on that, and this isn't really the focal point for the sermon, so I didn't really do, like, a deep dive in this, but, but I, here's, here's what I think. It's just, just my thoughts. My thoughts are that Saul was very prideful. He was a religious leader full of pride. And it may have just taken that to bring a little humility. It, it may also have been for Saul to experience the power of Jesus. Like, hey, Saul, I know that you think you're in charge here, but you're not. I want you to experience the power that I have, that, that Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting, the one whom... Your leaders, the Pharisees, nailed to the cross. This is me. I am the Messiah. So that could have been why. And then Jesus speaks to a believer by the name of Ananias. Who is Ananias that, that Jesus would choose him for this task? Like, like he must be a leader in the church or he must be leading some Bible studies. Like, like one of those those spiritual superheroes, because surely it's going to take a guy like this to go talk to Saul. You know who Ananias was? Just a regular guy. Just a regular guy, like, like us. He was sitting there and says that Jesus spoke to him in a vision. Well, here's what I believe. I believe that it was that still, small, quiet voice of God's Holy Spirit that spoke to him. That inner voice that we listen to when God speaks to us. 
I don't believe it was like this big green. Like, okay, so a vision. What, what, what does that mean? Well, I, I had a meeting with somebody a few weeks ago. And we were talking about this ministry. And, and as he's telling me about this, I, I felt like, like, like I, I didn't feel like. I saw Jesus in, in my mind. It's like, this is the way. This, this, I, I, where, what you guys are talking about is where I am. And I think it was something like that. Like, like maybe, maybe Ananias saw Jesus in his mind, and then Jesus said, hey, Ananias, I got a job for you. Ananias said, yes. But first, though, he said, you sure about this, God? I, I, Saul, the guy from Tarsus, the Pharisee, the one who's been going from door to door, rounding up everybody who puts their faith in you, like, like the one who my door is locked because of him. That's the guy? You sure? Are you sure about that, God? See, God's plan was to take a zealous religious leader who is persecuting Christians and turn him into a willing vessel to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. If he can be as zealous for me on this end, think about what he can do for me over here. Saul was not just a, a regular guy. Saul, he was a Jewish religious leader, but he was a Roman citizen. He spoke different languages. Man, if I could get him on my team, Jesus says, imagine what we could do together. Talk about flipping the script here. I'm going to turn this Jewish religious leader <clears throat> into a man that preaches me to the Gentiles. So how many of us, though, are like Ananias in this story? When we feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, we say, are you sure? Are you sure that's what you want me to do? And, and, and if we're being honest, we do this with like, like maybe some of you got, a, got this little thing that, hey, I want to usher. Are you sure, God? I don't think that's for me. You sure, God? You sure that's the guy you want me to go talk to? Well, look at God's reply. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings and to the people of Israel. When you read the book of Acts, you can see that Saul just did that, did just that. Saul was beaten for preaching Jesus. Saul was imprisoned for preaching Jesus. Saul wrote most of the New Testament while he was in prison for Jesus. Saul suffered a lot for Jesus. But Saul basically wrote everything for pastors to learn how to pastor, for Christians to learn how to Christian, for people to learn how to get together, to reconcile people groups. To re I mean, Saul, wrote, Saul, Saul did so much for the kingdom. But isn't it funny, though, how we have this way of zooming in on somebody's past? Like Ananias was open to what God wanted him to do. But he could have said no. Like, how often do we zoom so close into somebody's past or, or we zoom so close into the differences that they have with us that we can't see outside of that? And now we are the ones to make the call as to how they will act or react to a certain situation with the kingdom of God. Like, 
How many times have we made the assumption that someone would never accept an invite to church? So we never invited them. How many times have we made the assumption that they would never ask Jesus into their lives? I, I, I know that person. I, I know where they've been. They'll, they'll never ask Jesus into their lives. But we have this thing inside of us that says, go talk to them. Nope, I'm not doing that. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. I'm not doing it. I know them. How many times have we said, they won't fit in our life group? I know them. Or, our church isn't the right fit for them. Or we make these assumptions about people because we've zoomed in on a part of their story and we can't see outside of that. And you know what I call that? Google Earth eyes. Right? Google Earth. You ever zoomed in so close that all you can see is the address of the house you're looking to buy or the destination of where you want to go? You've zoomed so far, you can't see anything else in the map. That's looking through Google Earth eyes. I'm speaking our modern day language, right? You know who else uses Google Earth eyes? The kingdom of God. Except it's just the opposite. God doesn't zoom in. God zooms out. He sees it all. See, I'm just going to be the, the voice of God here for a minute. Right? Okay? So, so God zooms out. He sees everything. But you, you know what? Well, just get ahead of myself. And, and here's what God says. He says, I see it all. Not just what someone has done or, or who they once were and the differences they may have with others, but I see what their life can be if Jesus were at the center. If all these things were, re were surrounded by the redemptive love of Jesus, if they were filled with the Holy Spirit, if they were filled with grace and, and peace and, and love, and I know the potential they have for the kingdom if they respond to my forgiveness and they accept my unconditional love. If they knew how much I want to be a part of their life, we could do life together reconciling others back to me. See, that's how God uses Google Earth eyes on us. He sees it all. We all have a story, right? God uses that. He uses our past. He uses the good, the bad, and the ugly that makes up who we are. And then he cleans us up, and he, and he, and he, and he uses us. It's when we respond to his voice. We get to join him. We get to join him. It's very similar to what Jesus said in John chapter 15. Verse 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you. God chose us. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. That means I chose you. I chose you to be a part of my kingdom. I chose you to call other people into my kingdom. I chose you to do things with me. I'm inviting you in to my world. And in doing so, the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So, 
What does Ananias do? Ananias went and he found Saul. Laid hands on him and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I was thinking about this this morning. Why did God choose Ananias? He is nothing special about this guy. He's just a regular dude. You know what? What if, what if Ananias' faith was wavering? What if he was having like a dry spell? What if, what if he had been praying for people and wasn't getting any kind of responses or, or whatever? And he's just like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know if this, 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 this Jesus thing is it. I don't know. And then all of a sudden he hears from Jesus and he gets called to do this amazing task. And he goes and he prays for this guy who's tormenting, right? This guy that everybody's fearing. And he sees scales fall off of his eyes. He, 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 he prays for him. God regains his sight. Think about that. And then Saul gets baptized. He's a changed man. Boom, just like that. And his name becomes Paul. The Apostle Paul, as we now know him as. Went around the Asia Minor area, Mediterranean area, established churches, planted churches. I mean, he dealt with so much stuff that, that Jewish people and Gentiles and different people groups were coming into churches and they didn't like each other and he had to deal with racial differences and he had to deal with uh, immorality differences and he had to deal with stuff creeping into the church and, and church leaders not dealing with it. And, and I mean, he wrote the handbook for how pastors are supposed to live and how church, and all of this stuff. Paul wrote all of this stuff, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote this stuff. See, what if Ananias would have said no? What if he would have said, God, I, I don't think that's you. I must have been those burritos I ate. There is no way I'm going to go meet that guy Saul. Absolutely not. You know, God would have to look for somebody else, right? I mean, oftentimes we read with Jonah and even Moses, God said, nope, you are the person. And oftentimes that is it. God will not give up on us. But, but you know what? If we say no enough times to God, he will move on to find somebody else. God will never, ever, 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 ever give up on us but we will lose out on some blessings. We will lose out on joining him in what he wants us to do with him if we say no enough. Now, now, now think, of, think of the church. Think of this church, all right? Let's just use this church as an example. What if we ignored the voice of God? What if we just started ignoring it? Like, like me, what if I started ignoring it? I don't, I, you know what? I, I don't know, guys. I, th I, think, I think God's quiet right now. I think... No. What if we ignored the promptings of God's Holy Spirit to join him in what he wants to do through us? Now, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, that everything rises and falls on the leader. If somebody on the team is kind of acting up or whatever, then the leader needs to come and say, hey, let's, let's talk about this. But if the leader is doing it and there's followers, there's people that are like, yeah, this is part of my tribe... Some people will be like, oh, I think I'm going to go find another tribe. And some people are like, well, I'm going to stick it out here. And that's, that's what he's doing. That's what we're going to do. We're going to stop listening to the voice of God. Ooh, that, ooh, this is easier. Now life is not challenging. Well, it's not easy. 
But here's what eventually happens, right? Church family begins to break down. The, the community that we have begins to break down. The kingdom values and the culture we create within the vineyard here at this church, you know, if this is us, would begin to splinter and fracture. It would break down. Our influence in the community would, would, would be no longer. We, we are a church with a vision that if our doors closed, if, we, if this church shut down, would our community know? So, so we have a drive and a vision to make sure the community knows that we are here. That's why we have our, our clinics, a, a free medical, free pregnancy health care, free computer repair, free bicycle repair, free vision care. The community knows we are here, and then we do events. The community knows we are here. We want to make sure the community knows that there is a, a sanctuary here that if and when they determine they need Jesus, they can come here for that. Our influence would be no longer. And God would find another church to move his influence in. See, God chooses to use people in writing his historical story of reconciliation. And as followers of Jesus, we need to be willing vessels. We need to be willing to hear that voice. And you know what? Maybe we think we're hearing that voice and we were off. So what? Keep doing it. It doesn't matter. I used to, I used to get really embarrassed if, if I had a word for somebody and, 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 uh, and they were like, nah, it doesn't pertain to me. Oh, well, silly me. Who cares anymore, man? If I feel like God wants me to tell somebody, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them. See, if you knew God specifically chose you for a certain task, would you really say no? Like, like if Jesus just came down at your dinner table, your breakfast table, you're having coffee, and of course you got your Bible open too, right? Because that's what we do in the mornings. And Jesus sat down, and he said, Trey, you and I are going to do a little work together. I want you to, would you say no to that? Even if he said, I, you're going to find out what it's like to suffer for my namesake. It's not going to be easy. <laughs> the creator of the universe wants us to join him. Man, I'm not saying no to that. Now look at this. In Philippians chapter 2, the apostle Paul, who was once Saul, wrote this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And then we'll break this down here as in, in, in the next couple of minutes. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. It's hard work to be a Christian. It means you have to go against the grain. It means you, you have to make decisions that, that, you know what, I'm not going to do what everybody wants to do this Friday after work. I've I'm 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 I, I got to stay on my ground for, on a few things. See, the result of our salvation is the power of a changed life. But it is in that changed life that our story is shared. And it is in that changed life that we are on the lookout for where God wants us to join him. I'm excited about this. I think this is why we're, we're going to do the School of Kingdom ministry again. 
We're going to learn where God is, how to hear his voice, how to move with him, how to do what he wants us to do, how to join him in his story of redemption. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said to the disciples before he ascended into heaven, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It's going to start here in Jerusalem, and it's going to go worldwide. I don't think they had any idea that 2,000 years later, millions upon millions of people would be reading their story. Prior to this, in the Gospel of John, Jesus, Jesus blows on the disciples in the room. He fills them with the Holy Spirit. That's what happens when we first invite Jesus into our lives. We get filled with his Holy Spirit. This was something different. This was being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, the, and, and in, the, in the King James and in the Greek, it calls this dunamos power of Holy Spirit. Dunamos is Greek for dynamite. It means you move in the gifts of the Spirit. You move in the gifts of healing and words of knowledge and wisdom and faith. It's power that the Holy Spirit works through us, in us and through us to others. Jesus says, you're going to be doing it. You are going to be doing this stuff, guys. Just, it's going to happen. And then for those of you who know the story, these tongues of fire came down out of heaven and filled everybody. See, God isn't just here on Sunday mornings in this church and the two down the road that way and the one down the road that way and the one a little further west and there's two of them further west like how many churches are within just say let's just say a half a mile radius of this one God is not just in the churches on Sunday morning he's in the grocery stores he's in your family gatherings which today and tomorrow we'll have plenty of he's at the playground he's at your school he's at work he is everywhere, asking us, inviting us to join him in his story of redemption. And when we are aware of that, at any moment, he may call us to join him. Then, when this happens, we're aware of this, then we begin living with an expectation to join him with the desire to do what pleases him. What pleases God? What pleases God is when we follow his lead, when we look for him where we are at, and we follow his lead, we join him. This is what pleases God. When we pay attention as to where he is at in all the little facets of life. And we join him. It's listening for that still, small voice. Like Ananias did. There's a story about the prophet Elijah. And he had this, this huge um, uh, experience with God and with these bad people and stuff. And he goes and he runs. He's freaked out. And... And he, and he wants God to talk to him, and it says the thunder came, God wasn't in there. Earthquake came, God wasn't in there. Rushing, roaring winds came, God wasn't in there. And then, this still, small, quiet voice, and that's where God was. He's quiet. He's inside of us. But we have to quiet ourselves if we want to hear that. 
We're not going to hear him with all the noise going on in our lives. What if, you know, there's records upon records being kept in heaven, books, our lives, everybody's lives. What if a part of your story began like Ananias's? Now, there was a believer in Reynoldsburg named. There was a believer in Grove City named. There was a believer in Pataskala named. Because you responded to the voice of God and you joined him in what he was doing around you. And there's a chapter in your book in heaven that starts out like that. Ananias was a believer who listened to the voice of God and he helped Saul join God with what his true calling in Jesus was meant to to be. Long before Saul was born, God knew what he was going to be doing. But he had to respond. And he did. All of us have someone who is a part of our salvation story. We all have somebody that helped us along in our early walk with Jesus. Because rescued people Rescue people. We see somebody and we're like, yeah. Or, or we see somebody who we know has a past. And hopefully we're like, hey, come on, get in here. You know, I remember, I remember uh, years ago, one time I was like, I was going to invite an old friend of mine to church. And... Um, because I haven't always been a Christian. I know some of you probably think that, but. <laughs> Pastor Dave, don't say anything. But I was going to invite somebody to church, and I was like, oh, I don't know if this Sunday, I, you know, the message is going to be whatever. And man, I felt like I just got punched in the gut. I felt God said, who are you to determine what or when somebody is going to respond to a church service? Oh, you're right. Then years go by, you know, and, and another old friend. Like, like, so here's the thing. I have a lot of old friends that, that know that I'm a pastor now, and every now and then they reach out to me because you know why? They know that there's something, a changed life, and they need that. And I had this friend come, and, and um, I had a little, we're doing this Sunday called a Black Robe Sunday. But this friend of mine came. And it's 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 pretty pretty dicey topic, and I was like, oh no, oh boy, he's not coming back. I was up in the sound room, and my friend was sitting over here. He had a couple people with him. I'm like, well, you know, whatever. I came down here, and I didn't see him anywhere. I was like, well, yep, he's out of here. <laughs> and then I was standing here, and he comes running down the center aisle. Man, this was so good. I love this. And I was like, are you serious? Because because this was great, because my friends, they had to leave, but man, I want to come, I want to talk to you about your church. Now, I might get a little upset here. Then he started coming to church here, and he started helping out. He, he found Jesus. He found Jesus. And then he backslid, and he OD'd and died. But you know what? He found Jesus. 
So listen, church, we, when we feel that God is calling us to join him, join him. When you feel like, oh, they're not going to be, they, they, oh, they would never like my church. You know what? Who are you? Who are we to make that assumption? Ask them to come to church. Because chances are, if you're thinking about that, then God is saying to you, I want you to ask them to come to church. This guy that I was talking about reached out to me. I remember Kim and I were, we were, we were out back with our little, little uh, fire pit going, and, and that's usually you know, kind of family time. We don't get on our devices, and I'm like, I can't believe this guy's reaching out to me, Kim. I got it. So we started talking, and he was, in a, he was in a bad thing in life, and I'm like, come to church, man. And he came here. It was for like a couple of years. He found Jesus. <laughs> church. Never say no to God. It's better to say yes and make a mistake than to not do anything at all. And, and, and so, so here's the deal. All of us can do this. We were created to be a part of God's story. And I have a secret. I've got a little secret for you. All right? You ready? You know what the first part of doing this is? Don't compare yourself to somebody else. You're not that person. You are you. You are uniquely created the way God created you. So, so don't compare yourself to somebody else who's better at this than I am. But there's more to this secret. It's found in God's word. See, Ananias was just a regular guy. What if he said, God, I'm, I'm not your guy. I'm not. You know, Joe next door, he doesn't lock his doors because of Saul. He's not afraid to share his faith. You might want to go ask him. But listen to this. Here is a little nugget to being able to recognize when God is calling us to join him. It's in John chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 4, 5, and 8. It's up on the screen. This is Jesus speaking. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I've got that settled in my heart. Apart from Jesus, I can't do anything good on this earth. Verse 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Remain in Jesus. The secret is to always remain in Jesus. Everywhere we go, we need to recognize that at any moment, God's Holy Spirit may call us into a sacred and holy moment where we are joining him in the story of redemption with somebody's life, where we are ushering in the kingdom of God into somebody's life, and we get to be a part of this. This is a big deal. And at the same time, when we live with this expectancy that any moment this could happen, it becomes natural. It's a natural response to a supernatural move of God. It becomes a part of who we are. It's, it, it's natural. It's just like going up to somebody and having a conversation with them. Hey, how you doing? 
don't have to talk into King James and get all weird and, and all of that. You just talk to them like you would somebody else. Why do we make it out to be like this big weird moment? Just be natural. See, here's the thing. With God, it's always been about people. And the single greatest gift we can give another person is an introduction to Jesus. And even though we're all different in some way or another, the common bond is Jesus. It doesn't it seem like society has kind of lost that art of, of, of loving their neighbor, being kind to their neighbor, caring about somebody. We're, we're more focused on our differences than we are of putting somebody else first. Well, we're so busy with our lives and our devices in our faces, like we can't even drive down the road without doing this at an intersection or driving down the freeway, right? We've got devices in our faces. We're constantly connected to something. We don't care what's going on around us because it has now become a me-focused society. Church, now more than ever, we need to be courageous and take the risk when we feel that God is calling us to join him. No excuses. We can't make excuses. And, and, and here's the deal. You know what? We do not have control over another person's response to us sharing the gospel to them. But we do have control over our response to God inviting us to join him. Be like Ananias and say yes. Then everywhere we go, we'll be like farmers scattering seed. We just scattered seed. Uh, pastor in uh, Vineyard Portel in Brazil, his name is Anos. He told me this a few years ago. He goes, wherever I go, I'm just, I'm just planting seeds. I'm just planting seeds. Then somebody will come by and they'll water that seed. But God makes that seed grow. I'm just a vessel. And I'm like, man, dude, you're, you're living in, in the Amazon. And, and that is your mindset when it comes to the gospel. I'm just scattering seed. You know, we're either planting seed or we're watering seed. And I, I just want to read real quick. We're, we're bringing it home here. But I want to read you real quick where this comes from, scattering seed and planting seed. See, Paul, he had all kinds of things he had to address. And he, he had to write a, a portion of his letter to the church in Corinth because there was a, 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 a ministry partner of his by the name of Apollos. And some people were saying, well, we follow Apollos. And some were saying, well, we follow Paul. And Paul was like, listen, guys, knock that off, would you? Like, we're on the same team here, all of us. And so, so he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. He says this, after all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seeds in your heart. And Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. It doesn't matter who got it started. It doesn't matter who comes along and helps it. God makes it grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. We're either planting seeds or we're watering seeds. But at just the right time, God will make it grow. You know, with my friend, I believe somebody might have planted that seed in his heart. And then he's like, hey, I, I know Chip, my gosh, he, he's a pastor now. Maybe he can help me out. And then maybe I watered it. Maybe, maybe somebody else here watered it. I don't know. 
We plant seeds, we're watering seeds, but God makes it grow. And it, and it doesn't matter what the response is. Because a seed was planted at just the right time by somebody saying yes to God. And that is the power of saying yes. So we'll bring it home with this. Here, here's the deal. God has specific plans for each one of us. Plans that he wants to carry out through us. The more we say yes to his promptings, the more our faith in him grows. And the more our faith in Jesus grows, the more we understand grace as we go through life planting seeds of faith in such a natural way that it allows the supernatural presence of God to break through at just the right time. So the challenge on this Pentecost Sunday is this. Will we be a person who wants to experience the power of saying yes to joining God in his story of reconciling mankind back to him? Amen? Let's pray. God, I pray for those here this morning that all of a sudden there's something stirring within you. God, I want to press into that. And as we head into a time of worship, God, I want to ask that not just that person who feels something stirring, but all of us, God, your still, small, quiet voice meets us where we are at. I also just got this thought that some of us have a picture of somebody in our head, maybe multiple people. And I believe that God, those are people that God wants you to reach out to. And the simplest, most easiest, non-threatening way to share the gospel with somebody is to say, we have church on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Would you like to come? So God, I want to bless that, and we thank you for that, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.